And welcome back to WTF and Vonadil with Spicy and the Fox Danger. And today it is the day after good old Yule Tide. So how are things with you, Fox? Uh, things are going pretty good. Uh, I got pleasantly surprised with a with a new laptop that I desperately needed. I had my other one since like '04, <laughs> so it was a, it was a relic that barely worked, and um, I, I was really really grateful to to get a cool gift like that. I couldn't imagine using a 16 year old were you playing the game on that yeah that's actually what i was playing on before my buddy uh cav hooked me up with this tower that i use now um i I was playing it on that potato and that's the potato everyone always used to joke about for those that are listening that that know of that inside joke i don't know of the inside joke about the potato oh yeah yeah like everyone like banded together to uh to get a hold of him and 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 get him to uh to meet up with me to to give me that uh cavendish uh if anyone knows him uh, he doesn't really play the game much anymore but he's a real solid dude and uh he actually he actually hooked me up with that solid so that i could continue to play this game on something that wasn't akin to dial up cavendish also likes coffee and anchovy pizza that's true yeah solid dude Wait, so, okay, so you're not, play- I, I have never played with you while you're playing in the potato. That That's good news. That, that makes me yeah, feel better. Yeah, well, you saw the potato at the wedding. Um, that was the, that's the laptop that I always bought. Oh my God, I do. You, you were, oh, you were trying to do an Apex crib for some testing or something. That's what you were, oh my, it was like a, yeah, dude. it was like, it was like the, the tablets down from the mountain and you were trying to, trying to play Final Fantasy on the, uh, the commandments or something. Oh yeah, man. It, it was the, uh, the best ever. Oh shit. Like ten percent of my screen didn't work. Oh, that's right. The bottom—I forgot about that. The bottom of the screen was like uh, if you throw something at the TV and it breaks, but it still works on part of the TV. The LCD's yeah. been damaged in some place, and that's right. You couldn't use the bottom of your. How did you click the start? Oh, never mind. Whatever. Um, um, it, it well, it, it actually kind of ties into what we'll talk about a bit later. But um, playing like that on that PC because of the amount of crazy lag that I got that wasn't internet related. Um, actually made me a better player like uh, I developed a kind of precognition as white mage to like be healing people before they took damage and stuff like that because if I was responding to it when it happened uh, people were just dead by that so uh, your old potato is like Mr. Miyagi here and that you're gaining your instincts of how to play jobs up based on terrible Basically, performance yeah man like it, it feels like I've actually I, I've actually felt kind of like lazy recently with like stuff that responds on time Every time your fan starts going to cool your processor a little bit more, it's like, oh, now it's time to heal. Fan's on. That's right. You never know when it's going to blow a fuse either, so in the wall. So I, uh, I, you know, my, I still, that potato. It looked like you did nothing but cook. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, for those of us, those of you who aren't in the Discord, I didn't just cook. I drank a lot. I mean, there's, there's more than cooking and eating. Of course. I'm on the third day of a three day binge here. I've, I've gone through many food items and many libations and many everythings. So what was the deal with that orange sauce? Oh my <laughs> So what happened is I st- <laughs> no it's going to be a thing. That's we'll save that for the Discord. I don't want to get <laughs> All right. Today's episode is about being a better player and not reducing a broth for 5 hours and eating <laughs> canola orange at 2 one, 1 in the morning, something like that. It was good. You went deep. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, being a better player. So we're going to talk about various things. Uh, you know, Fox and I recently played, uh, a pickup group again. Fox is re- re- getting his faith back here in pickup groups. And we did an Odin V2, uh, VD with 
you know, Carrot was there and the Corsair Mule was there, but we had to find a Puppet Master and a Summoner, which you would think, you know, it's only one third of the group. You could still kind of eke out a win, but no, you need to have competent people. You can't just can't just go through doing it without those people. Yeah, I, I realize that Puppet Master is usually a passion project for a lot of people, um, but I never have high hopes when they join the group that, you know, they're familiar with tanking or what's going to be expected of them or anything. Uh, so with this group, it was actually pleasantly surprising. Um, I had had about a 50-50 rate on Ambuscade groups, as I told the <laughs> the Discord before. Um, so I didn't have high hopes going into this, but yeah, it was just a really smooth group overall. I can't imagine the, how bad that Ambuscade was and being like, yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I've gone on and on about like trying to open my my eyes to to new horizons in this game. Um, you know, because it, it'll it'll do me a service, right? Like I'll be able to respond to more things and learn more. You know, if I just go out there and, and do stuff and not be in my secluded, well pampered um, group of you know we know how to do shit. Well, that's true. Yeah, I think most people are in that that little bubble there and that's kind of a problem for perspective but that's true in life in general getting out of your comfort zone and doing other things is beneficial overall to your perspective and your collective experience and and how you handle things in the future yeah it's true um and you you can't learn new things if you keep getting exposed to the same things over and over again like those those perspectives um, are actually what allows you to grow as a person too so i mean if we're going to take this beyond final fantasy just a little bit um anytime you can do that in life you probably should take advantage of it because um, I think you can really just come up stronger for it. Inspirational. They're going to put you on one of those cheap things in a dentist's office. Oh, man. Those, those things in the wall. Too. The motivational pictures of the black with the little tiny image. I really just want the, the sad crying bard meme to uh, just be replaced by me. <laughs> uh, so Odin went well. I got my sword. You didn't. But you got the great sword. Yeah. Um, and... People were a lot cooler about um, the lotting things than, than I thought they'd be. You know, I, I you always hear these stories on a, about Azurans like ninja loot and stuff and throwing, you know, piss fits about whether or not they got drops and stuff like that. But everyone was real chill. Um, in fact, the puppet master, who I was pleasantly surprised by, was really rooting for me to get a sword. And he stuck around after getting his drop almost immediately, too. So uh, the guy was really solid overall. I'd give him a shout out, but I honestly don't remember his name. Uh, it was a female elven probably a oh, guy tamer. tamer yep there you go yeah tamer tamer if you happen to be listening uh thanks a lot you were actually really chill that entire run you did a great job they lasted longer than the summoner did <laughs> that's for sure we we definitely turned through summoners on that run you know what i like about tamer too is that they didn't stand next to everyone too because after we had one moment where there was a breakdown and we all wiped we only wiped once and fox saved that run we never lost any of the runs we did what like maybe 10 runs and Fox saved yeah. that on his red mage by doing the old chain spell, raise everyone and, and <laughs> gravity bind running around with chain spell. That was good. Well, I really didn't think that I did as much as I would normally do. Um, what was weird about that run um, as opposed because because I have done pickup groups before. I just tend to not. And usually it's because someone will ask me to help them who's already joined a group and I know them and then I'll fill that role that they need or whatever. So I've been red mage to Odin pickups before and. What I'm used to when the summoner method inevitably wipes, because it all happens almost every time, um, is I'm used to having to tank Odin with Blink until everyone can get out of range and be safe uh, and we can get a puppet back on there. But um, that actually didn't happen once at all. And it actually threw it threw me off a bit um, when I was trying to just go into a save the day mode um, because I wasn't used to not having hate afterwards. And for a second there, I actually just didn't even know what to do. Is that because I was collaborating you? 
yeah, you were collaborating with me the whole time. And like, if I didn't have that built up, hey, it didn't matter if you were dead or not. Like, I didn't know where the moth was going to go afterwards. Stop collaborating. Listen, Fox is back and doesn't know what to do. So it it ties into the episode, right? Because you got to know what to do in these kind of situations. Like, you you have to know, like, based on your how your party's built and the content that you're fighting or whatever, how to how to respond to when things go wrong. Because it can be the difference between your group getting real upset and breaking over something bad that happened or just saving the day and just kind of moving on to the next run. Yeah, because there's two different ways that you typically do Odin for VD. You have your Red Mage run, Fox, that I, I assume you're the one that came up with it. If you're not, whatever, but I think you yeah. were. Where you just put on non-I-level weapons and end spell to death with all the end spell plus gear, and it's it's really smooth. As long as no TP's fed, you can't die. It just It's always a win. There's never... Something has to go very wrong for you to wipe. Yes. Um, or just not um, be doing usually, damage fast enough with end spell. Usually with that method, it's a partial resist on the silence, which can happen no matter how cool your red mage is. Um, and if it wears early uh, and he happens to monofont, then you're likely going to wipe. But it's extremely rare for that to happen. And then, you know, we had our puppet master tanks with Valoredge, and then you have the two summoners, a corset that just stands there looking pretty, and a thief and a red mage. <laughs> and I was a thief. And I originally... Here's here's the thing about it being better. I'm like, oh, I'll go sub dancer and do box step because all I'm doing yeah, is tier. I, I, yeah, I figured it would help the the avatars do more damage because you just had you're not wrong. Yeah, you had no geo, so and I was I was getting killed a lot because I was trying to run in after sneak attack to improve the th to do box step, and then it just ended up with me dying more because uh, you know. And- you know, and, and this is where, you know, if, if you know, if you know your build and you know the content and you know what you can bring, because I, I, I see a lot of people always shout for, you know, X, X buffer jobs like we've talked about on here before. And the, they're usually like, oh, well, in this run, we want this Idris Geo doing whatever thing. And in our run, like like you said, notably, we didn't even have a Geo. And honestly, the summoner's damage was fine. Like we didn't have frailty or malaise on it. And everything was good, and you know, the box step and and red mage debuffs really just did what needed to be done. Like he doesn't have a lot of HP. And yeah, and yeah, he doesn't. And then losing box step because eventually that after that wipe, that was that was it because I stopped going. So <laughs> you know, I, I could have yeah. averted that by protecting people by being sub ninja and staying out of range a little more and dying. I, I didn't really die at that point afterwards because I didn't need to keep running in for box step. I remember the, the the first run where you didn't die. You were so excited. <laughs> well, Carrot was criticizing me. She's little, she goes, I go on Corsair Sub Ninja and tank it when this happens, and I don't even die. So what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, alrighty then. Uh, time to go Sub Ninja. Sorry about well, that. Well, that's not really a fair statement. Because like, if you know the Odin fight, then you know that almost every TP move he's going to do to you is going to kill you. Like the, the whole idea is that you need, like if you have to back up tank in, you want to make sure you're feeding no TP because like every single move he does outside of eager and eager will even kill you indirectly uh, through intimidation. So yeah, it's just, it's just bad news if you're in some ninja. After that though, I, it was, I, I think so. I did the box step wasn't as helpful as I thought it was going to be. And I think that's the thing people get caught up in is, okay, I want to help, but then also just not feeding him TP when he hits you when everyone's died they're calling the pet out back again after about half 50% there in that fight always happens you know being able to just stand there and not feed him TP and reduce the TP move going off so you get away and not die and everything gets stable again more important than trying to add damage because daddy's love again we didn't need the extra (laughs) damage even if it saved us a minute which I don't think it was even that much time it would have saved even if it did it just doesn't wasn't worth it so no and uh really 
I'm trying to, to think of a, a good way to say this, but I, I really don't have it, so I guess I've lost that now. Oh, well, we'll move uh, on then. Yeah. Eh, not important. So we, I'd received a tell. Well, actually, no, before that, we had someone join the Link Show. Our first person joined the Link Show in-game. So now, Is it really the first? Because I thought I saw someone hanging out in there before from the Discord. Mm, the first person I can remember. Oh, okay. It was like Lotza or whatever their name was, and I was doing a Montrove, and I was exiting, and they were doing up in arms, and they, they're like, can I have a pearl? And I'm like, oh, sure. All right. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I, I was I was rolling into Omen when that went down, and yeah, I remember looking down at it and thinking, man, I, I thought I got rid of the other LS that I was helping before, and yeah, lo and behold, I was in the, the what the fuck Vanadil shell. So it'd be good. It'd be good if we got more people in there because I've been getting feedback in game as you have and being in a link shell to, you know, kind of organize that a little more and create discussion as another place where things are talked about. Because even in AOE the toilet, I had a couple people talk about the podcast and I'm like, I oh, love that name. It's someone joined it or whatever recently. I don't even know if it's recently, but someone today I was I sat down and as I sat down, they said, Well, I just literally AOE the toilet and I'm like, Oh, okay. All right, man. That's, that's pretty good. But yeah, if, if people join that, then, I mean, you can get answers real time, I suppose, like if I'm going to talk about benefits. Um, but joining the Discord is also equally as good. But um, if, if people like are in game and they bring something up and let's say even if I'm AFK, like my mog house or something, I see it later. It could be something that we could bring up on here that could either benefit you or someone else who doesn't have the chance to answer, ask that question. And, you know, we, we can just do more with that info, really. You know, we're not about like trying to make it like some sort of crazy shell or even like any kind of like ultra successful social shell. Uh, but if people want to just like chill out in there and like throw some knowledge around, uh, that's really what we're looking for. Yep. Because in game, I had I've been getting some feedback, too, because emailings for chumps. I like the emails, though. We, <laughs> we haven't gotten email in a little bit now, and I, I like the emails better, even the PMs. But I had someone say, can you do a podcast on uh, being a better DD? So we're going to cover that, yeah. I guess, a little bit here as part of being a better player, because that's a kind of a, a broad thing here. But how can you be a better DD is a bit interesting as a question. Yeah, I, there's a, there's a lot of factors that boil in there that I don't think is good to tackle as the very first part of the podcast. I think there's some baselines we want to establish first about um, the, the basics of just playing this game in general um, and, and kind of expanding on it afterwards. So I would say that what we would want to look at first is the party setup. And um, what I see a lot of the time, especially when people like go to do something, um, it isn't necessarily the, uh, the shouts where it's like Rima only or can we please have this Idris Geo or anything like that. Like a lot of times people don't seem to know what to ask for when it's not the auto include Rima shouts. And they don't realize, you know, how to build for content normally because yeah. like like we've said before that stuff's not necessary um but i i've been in a lot of situations where like i do someone at so, something for someone as a favor and like i'm there on white mage and it's me and five dds and they're wondering why you know the content is difficult i guess that's kind of what we want to talk about first right yeah uh that that would be good to jump off there because but you have to build into these broad things because once you cover all these other things of uh, you know, how do I make my party composition? How do I do this or that? It kind of, kind of takes away a, a pieces here and there of the ambiguity of how my, how can I be a good player at this game? How do I, yeah. how do I put all the, the the things in motion here to to get moving in the right way? Because when it comes down to making uh, party setups, and I think a lot of people don't get things done in this game, 
maybe I would say there's no way of quantifying it, so I, I can't say it's the number one reason, but people just don't True. either want to deal with putting a party together or don't know how to properly put a party together because, you know, whether it's Ambuscade with this month's different uh, flair going on, you know, there's different setups all the time to do things, and sometimes it's a lot easier to, I mean, finding a puppet master for Odin, not the easiest thing, but finding a summoner or other jobs, it's, it's you know, something you can usually do. But then how do you direct people? Because a lot of times people put a party together and, I'm, you know, they invite a Geomancer and they go, okay, Geo, you do bubbles and we're going to do this and the tank tanks yeah. in the corner and we're good, right? And it's like, no, you don't just say do bubbles. No, you definitely, as, as a Geo, uh, no, you definitely do not. Uh, that Geo is going to uh, raise one eyebrow at you and then just do their own thing because they probably know better. You want a little um, story there? No, I don't. I don't have a particular story. No, I, I said, do you want a story? Because I got a story. Oh, oh, let's do it. Yeah. Oh uh, yes. Uh, I got kicked out of. Well, not kicked out of. I was banned from ever coming back to. No way. Shit. Well, well, no way. Eh, go figure. I was. I was not over the top. I said relatively little, but saying anything was probably the bad thing here. But it was the carrots link shell in all its glory with several pug people to fill the ranks doing dynamis and they had three geomancers and the person with alliance <laughs> lead who's not the leader but apparently you know fills in the role of the missing leader just told the geos do bubbles and the moment i saw that i go oh no you didn't say geos figure out your bubbles between yourselves that's going to be terrible and through the run you know besides me not getting hasted on thief Besides there being no frailty, oh, no frailty most of the time. And besides me still winning the parse because everything was so bad, you know, it was getting yelled at for basic things and this and that. But, you know, if I say, hey, I wish we had some frailty, could someone level a Geomancer and give us frailty? You know, things along that wow. line of, you know, oh, you're not welcome back anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm sure you said it in so many words though right i i didn't say too much it was you know but that's an example of it was not an enjoyable experience because you had all the pieces there in the party and you well for the most part you had all the stuff you needed but it's like baking a cake here you just threw everything in the yeah. threw everything in the bowl and threw it in the, in the oven and go okay cake bake yourself it just doesn't work that way so I guess if we're to lay out some building blocks, especially with that story in mind, uh, you you wanna you wanna know the basics of what a party should be able to accomplish, and that will get elaborated on. Uh, then we also need to know the niche parties that you can build, because once you establish what what a group needs specifically to function properly, you can then start tweaking it to fit specific strategies or for specific niche uses. Uh, and then from there, you can decide, like, alliance-wise, you know, why you're building what you need. And if there's a world where you need three geos, and spoilers, there's no world where you need three geos. Um, then three geos build... and no frailty. Yeah, you, you'll actually have a plan as to why you have three geos. Because in, in my mind, just to talk about that real quick, I, I wouldn't ask for three geos to come unless I had at least six specific bubbles I want them to use. Yeah. And eventually got haste, but frailty was... Oh. <laughs> and they shouldn't even... Okay, so the, the Geo shouldn't be providing haste. There are a lot of other ways to get haste in a group. And I feel like with the unique bubbles that Geo can provide and the limited zone that that haste would be, um, there's just... You're, you're selling yourself short by doing that when you can have like more targeted uses for buffs or debuffs, I suppose. 
part of what also got me banned from coming back was they have a Corsair, and you know how Sandy has those pulls of minus 75% physical damage, right? Yeah. So why are you spamming Savage? I think they're a DP core. Why are you spamming Savage Blade towards every target and doing nothing and never using a magical weapon skill when you're taking minus three-fourths of your damage to your Savage Blade? Why are you only using that? Well, don't ask those questions. You're not allowed back. Yeah, and for those out there who are cores, and I've talked about this kind of when like when I explained Ranger in a previous episode too, um, when I go core to Dynamis, um, I almost always just use the Anarchy anyway because you can both Savage Blade and Leaden Salute. Like that that option is there for you with the TP bonus weapon. Like the Corsair can do both. A lot of moving like, pieces. You, you don't need a you don't need a DP for that. It's, it's perfectly fine. Even it's if fine. you do, why you know if you can't Savage Blade something, why are you insisting on it? Yeah, it. You gotta, you gotta know what you're fighting, why you're fighting it, and how your group is designed to fight it. I, I think is the the things that we're really gonna get at overall. Like as we talk about each of these things here. So for me, whenever I go to build a party, and this is like the most basic thing, because I'm actually surprisingly easy when it comes to setups and stuff. And maybe you've noticed that because like I'm willing to take all these other jobs that seem weird, but they they all can contribute, and that's why I advocate for almost every job in this game because everyone can do everything. But you have to have specialized roles, though, and that's what's important. Like, for me, if I'm building a party, if all of the members in that party do not have haste cap, something is wrong. At the very least, at the very minimum, everyone should have haste cap. Because everyone with haste cap is not only going to be able to optimize their actions, whether it be DPS or support related, but they're also going to maximize any amount of defensive abilities that they have like, let's say if they have shadows or, you know, blink or something like that, like they're, they're, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be able to maximize every action they take. And at a base, it is the most helpful thing you can do for your group. If your group does not have haste gap, and that includes the thief trying to be a hero out there in the back lines, then something is wrong. And that needs to be addressed before you face your content. And I think dual wield is a big thing there for people. They don't understand how much they need because for a two-handed job, it's a little different there. You know, usually JA yeah. haste fills whatever you can fill, and you can't just can't just put dual wield on to fix it. But I think a lot of people don't understand dual wield. And if you type dual wield cheat sheet into, or just go to the dual wield page, just if you're typing in dual wield, it comes up. It just gets you to the section faster. I think understanding what that table says there, because it has um, haste samba included in there as a table too to look at even though that's not the yeah. most common thing and it's not something that gear swap unless you are the dancer automatically will handle, uh, you know, at least understanding dual wield because I think that's one of the... It's not complicated, but I think that's one of the biggest things and a lot of these jobs in this game benefit from dual wield dramatically if it's used properly. And, you know, being in haste cap, that's definitely, at least delay cap is more what we're talking about, I guess, not just haste cap because it's the delay cap. And that's, you know, important. Yes, uh, it's extremely important. And uh, I, the, the most common questions I get when I, when coming to dual wield is like how much you need and everything. Like that table actually mirrors the way a lot of Lua's will automatically handle your different tiers based on, on haste caps and stuff. Like a lot of times if you have a dual wield prevalent job and you get just the normal Lua from, from the pace bins, um, a lot of times they'll have what's called a haste tiered set. And it looks confusing but usually it's either commented or it states specifically how much haste it refers to you having. And all you have to do is match how much haste it's talking about in that set to that table that Spicy mentioned. And then you'll always make sure that you're at delay cap if you fulfill those values. And 
that's important for the situations where like something goes wrong and for whatever reason haste can't be granted to you but you need to finish out what's going on um like there's still reasons to have that even though i as a player expect to be haste captain all times and you won't always be i mean no you won't sometimes your songs go down you only have haste one or two and that's a problem but i mean yeah you can put on dual wheel to compensate two winning jobs can't so yeah, we, we can talk a big game about everything going right forever or us smashing shit and, and like just assuming that we're going to win or whatever. Uh, but things do go wrong, and that's why you should have this stuff available to you. And, you know, uh, understanding your party composition and what's going into your buffs and everything, and then building the party properly allows you to maximize those things. Um, and that includes your, your dual wield, which is super important for all you dual wielders out there. So outside of, you were saying, if you're not capped on delay, then something's wrong in your party setups there. And assuming, you know, because not everything always goes right, but what else are you focusing on then? After that, I usually just want to make sure that there's some combination of attack or defense adjustment in the party, I I suppose is is the best way to put it. It doesn't always have to be a core. It doesn't always have to be a bard or a geo. Um, or Beastmaster, or anything we've covered before, but it, it has to be at least something to where we're trying. Um, there's a lot of situations where people assume we're always at, at PDF cap, which is a physical difference that we've talked about before, and that involves the attack-defense ratio between you and the mob you're fighting. Um, you aren't always going to get there, but even if you get close, you're still doing as much as you possibly can towards getting things done. And right now, we are not talking about meta, we're just talking about trying to build an effective party. And you know, a lot of these sets that people put out there for jobs of what's the best gear in the game, uh, as if it's so basic as to just say, yeah. this is your best DT, you know, best TP set for your most amount of DPS here. And if you use this weapons, you know, as, as simple as that might be, uh, you're not, uh, a lot of the settings people put in is just Old. not, they just automatically cap accuracy for everything and they cap attack for everything. And then they, pick whatever pieces make the most sense or, or give them the best number of whatever they're using and they go, okay, this is the best set. You often aren't hitting those values as often as people think, which then people go, right. they get confused. They go, well, how do I know? And this is the number one question I get too is, how do I know I'm attack capped? How do I know my PDF is capped? Is the thing in front of you exploding? <laughs> Even if it is, it might not be capped because you can be capped right. on normal hits and normal weapon skills, but if you're a thief, that's uh, you might be capped on normal PDF and normal weapon skills, but you might not be capped when you're doing sneak attack or trick attack and weapon skill. You might not be at that, what is it, four point six for thief because it's an extra point one. So you might uh, be capping your yeah. three point six, but not your four point six. And that's generally not going to, as far as I know, is not going to change what gear you should have on at that point if you're capping one and not the other. But you're just saying you're, don't take it for granted. You're always capped. You're talking about the crit adjustment, right? Uh, just yes. Okay, okay. So so just in, in case you guys didn't know what he was talking about, when he's talking about the difference between 3.6 and 4.6, it's uh, the difference between your regular hits and hits when you crit. Um, it's uh, the, the, the crit ratio adjustment, too, is factored in. It and raises your beat. And it's only 0.6 and point, well, point six in general. I can't just, because the, the numerator is the same, different for both of them, but they're not. Anyway. It, it's fancy talk. <laughs> it's because limit break. Keep this in mind. Because jobs like Thief get an extra 0.1 with their, their physical uh, attack bonus trait and other jobs get even more than that, and some jobs like blue don't get any. So it depends. Other jobs cap before some jobs. Yeah. At least they uh, they tell us with the actual traits that the jobs receive now. So I mean, at least we know. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's, it's I don't think in general you're going to encounter a situation where you're straddling that line so well that you're going to be capped on blue and not capped on 
Dark Knight or something. No, we, we want to look at, at the, the variables in play here. Um, so your buffs, if done ideally, and the, the party's built appropriately and everything, you know that you're going to get X buffs for X amount of time. And usually with the, the job abilities and things that are, that are tied to them, you're not going to get to see a lot of variance in them. Like you're going to get a set potency that you should be aware of. And then you should actually take into account with your gear how to swap and, and figure out based on those buffs where you need to be. You need to be the sliding scale. And I would say there's already people at this point who have shut off because, you know, yeah. I just want to play. I want to be the best DD. This is too much. How do I understand? And in that case, if you don't want to go down that rabbit hole of, because honestly, at that point, when you're talking about attack caps versus non-attack cap sets, generally it's not too many changes. And generally the DPS you get, while yes, it's going to matter if you're trying for daddy's love here, it's, if you had to choose, just go with the non uh attack cap set your non-pdiv cap set because that overall is going to be your best set but the extra dps you gain i mean i can't make it a definitive statement but for how long i've messed around in the spreadsheets for different jobs the amount of dps you gain when you're in your max attack set is not as much as you would have lost or kept if i'm phrasing that correctly if you just only stayed in your non-attack cap set the entire time so if you had to just make one set don't even worry. Focus on making your one set that makes the most sense um, for not being attacked at if you had to pick or choose. Yeah, and the the, the imperative thing here is if, if you had to. Um, not, not because like you, you don't want to, but if you had to. like If you're just starting out this game and you don't quite have the resources to make multiple sets and stuff, it's perfectly reasonable that you make a set. But it should always be in your mind, hey, I need to be able to adapt to these other situations based on these other things that are happening. Uh, because this game is dynamic. Um, it's impossible to answer this, these kinds of questions for everyone. We can just give you a general sense of what you need to look at. And it's baby steps sometimes, because... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, even when I pick up a different job, I'm more concerned with handling everything else than, okay, I need to start min-maxing these sets for weapon skills based on full buffs or minimum buffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the key here is knowing that it exists and that you need to build for it. Um, and then as you go, you'll see how you tweak your sets and how your efficiency improves. There's no on-off switch. Like if, if you're going to be the sort of person who asks that question, how do I be a better DD? Then you have to be able to be committed to how that answer is going to play out for you. And a lot of times people will ask that question and then not like the answer in return because it does require quite a bit of work on your And let's play devil's advocate here. They go, okay, I'm attack capped. Well, how do I know what's better than this piece of gear? The attack's not mattering anymore, but, you know, because certain weapon skills like Ruger's Storm benefit a lot more from attack than, I mean, I don't want to say Camelon's Torment because that's an easy way out. It ignores <laughs> defense. But, I mean, certain weapon skills benefit more. Uh, if you're doing CDC, that benefits less from attack than uh, Ruger's Storm would. So, I mean... So, are, are you trying to imply that we need context? Well, yes, because just like the question, how am I a better DD? Exactly. I mean, we we spin our wheels here often and just keep going on about things, but there's no, we're speaking in such generals. But I think a lot of people go, okay, I'm, I'm fully buffed. I'm, I'm The mom's exploding. How do I, how do, what do I do? What do I change in my gear here? How do I know that I should be using this piece over that piece? Well, you you could use spreadsheets, right? But you can also just use trial and error as well. Like if you tweak things, even just a piece of gear at a time and you run a parser and you look at how it affects your DPS as you go, um, you can actually make these decisions on your own because you'll see the number either go up or go down. 
Um, you want to track your accuracy also, because that's, of course, key. If you can't hit anything, you aren't DPSing. And you can go from there, or you can use spreadsheets and apply the, the generalization of spreadsheets to X content and, and hope that the model fits. Um, I'm personally someone who likes the trial and error route. Um, and eventually you do get an eye for like what pieces of gear could be interchangeable. But it, what I will tell you is that at the end of the day, it's not going to give you the definitive, this is the highest DPS that you could possibly do. Um, it's just what works for me personally, honestly. And it, it, it always is an acceptable result because if you go through the trial and error to make something work, you not only start understanding what you're looking for and more importantly, what that context is that I, you know, we were just joking about, um, but you know how to start solving for it and you're really doing yourself a service in that situation. And there's a lot of variance there, Fox. You can't just yes. parse, you can't just, in general, you can't just parse a run and go, okay, uh, my Zawar Subligar did better in my leg slot than some Nuitites, therefore <laughs> Zawar Subligar is better for, than some Nuitites. And it's not. But you wouldn't right. know that if you, you could parse in the same gear five times in a row and you're going to get different results uh, without changing anything. So you can't... Because the fight's going to be dynamic also. Yes. yes. And it, it, it's part of uh, what I like about the Dragoon Simulator, even though, you know, oh, here I made it. You can you can change it and improve it now. It's like, I don't... You'll learn Python. I don't want to learn Python. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> as great as All-Star is, I, I've been told many times by them to learn Python and unfortunately I hate to let him down, but uh, no. But the simulator is great because it runs the same kind of thing the spreadsheet would be doing over and over and over again, you know, dozens and dozens of times. And the same gear with the same fight with the same settings that the spreadsheet would have, and the spreadsheet averages it out too, is different each time. You know, within sometimes within large amounts of DPS. Yeah. And I mean, it could even boil down to as much. Let's look at a, a long time event like Dynamis, right? Where there's a lot of variance. It could even boil down to like what mobs you fight in what order um, and reacting to different kinds of pulls and how the different mobs will have different mechanics going on with them in those and being able to quickly identify that. Uh, because if you're that guy that's that's savage blading the wrong color eyes and Sandy, then you're, you're probably letting the group down because you're there to be a DD. Like uh, being able to understand that, hey, my normal damage per hit seems a bit lower on this mob. Maybe I should let and salute it um, is something that you want to watch out for. Nothing like your nagling DP core parsing near the bottom. <laughs> and sometimes that happens, though. Like, don't don't get discouraged if that does happen to you. There are bad runs. I mean, I've, I've watched Spicy happen where, you know, sometimes you end up on the floor through no fault of your own. Like, it could be other people around you not tanking effectively or not providing you the right buffs. But it is your job to try to maximize what you're given. It could also be your fault because you're trying to glass cannon DD everything because it's wave one and you're like, oh, I'll just glass cannon it. And you put on your full right, DD set was, and you, you didn't want to, you didn't, because you, you go, oh, wait, I didn't build a hybrid set with the proper level of dual wield involved for the amount of buffs I'm getting only haste two. So I'm just going to keep my normal set on because I have <laughs> proper dual wield tiers for those. And what happens? You blow up. So it was my fault. This is, this is what happens when I try to use you for educational value. Well, well, it's very fair because a lot of people get a gear swap and it's not built correctly or they haven't finished building it in my case. And they don't have the ability to switch the way they want to. So they go, do I want to do a lot less DD on something that I should be able to DD or do I want to not die and not have as much dual wield even though I should be in my gear swap? Because gear swap's a big yeah. hurdle for a lot of people. You, you mentioned that, and actually the number one uh, pushback that I get when people are filling out Lewis and stuff, uh, the, the number one question they ask me whenever it's a dual wheel job is, do I really have to fill out these haste tiers? 
I don't even have haste tears in my thief one yet. Well, right, but I mean, if it's available though, and it's automatic based on the buffs you have, it's it's very handy. And th that's the first thing people ask me is like, is this really important? I'm, and yes, based on what we're saying, it actually is important. I'm wary about haste tears for non haste two jobs like red mage or blue mage, uh, because you don't know you're always going to have that haste, and then you have to have a toggle for it, and then. Do you have trusts out singing you a haste song and it recognizes it as a bard that would be giving you a haste song so it gives you the wrong rule and then do you have haste samba on which would also be another manual it becomes super clunky to do the correct way yeah it, it is admittedly so it's, but I, don't, I don't i don't have a better workaround for it though honestly doing things manually a bit you can automate some of it uh well, having full i buffs, do but and mine mine in particular are work like a uh a a manual transmission for a car if people still know what those are um you people you, don't drive about, they listen to us yeah pretty much uh well if you have a manual transmission or familiar with that what that is it, it basically changes uh your, your gear ratio in your car and you're, you're, you're kind of doing that in a lot of these lures as well like when spicy said that there was a toggle for like what kind of haste here you have what he means is there's like highs and lows that the game can't necessarily pick up on its own or that the lua can't pick up because it looks like the same buff to the Lua. Um, but that's where the human interaction comes in. And it's like, hey, I know I'm getting haste one. Let's go ahead and set this to the low tier. Um, so that way everything swaps appropriately. And we don't have any problems. And forget uh, worrying about attack cap versus non-attack cap. Riding the proper level of delay cap based on dual wield and this and that. I mean, it doesn't apply to all the jobs, obviously, because not all are dual wield jobs. But Riding that is so much more vastly important to your performance than uh, just worrying about being attack capped or not. The the delay cap is the most important thing to ride properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah because uh, our our white damage, while it can matter, is never going to matter as much as our weapon skill frequency because of the amount of damage we put out with our weapon skills. I had a blue ask me recently. They like, hey, I'm on blue. Can you tell me what I should be wearing? And I checked them. <laughs> and they had no dual wield earring, and they were wearing. I don't think they had a dual wield belt either. This might even been a. Th there was a thief as well doing that, and they just got to check me. And I'm like, I get that more often than I should. And two different times in a row, it was, well, what's your dual wield tier on blow three? Okay, well then you're not capping. Why are you not wearing a supernomimi or even an abani earring or the thief? Okay, why are you using a wind buffet belt on a non five hundred fifty thief without that extra dual wield tier? instead of using a potentia sash off the auction house and those are some of the most common things i encounter people doing and they're instant fixes i mean i mean maybe a bonnie's not instant and supernomimi if you have to wait three days for a full moon is definitely not instant but just set a different dual wield tier then or buy it off the auction house well, i mean and and for and for jobs that are dual wield three which is what he's talking about um you want to make sure that you have 11 percent dual wield you can go slightly over and slightly under and you will see a hit to your dps but not it's meaningfully negligible yeah it's not meaningful uh and really what you want to shoot for is one of two ways to do it and there, there's pros and cons at least in my mind you may have a different you know way of looking at it spicy uh but i like to set it up in, in two-piece combinations so that way you can max the rest of your set and so the rest of your set is more flexible around it and i will either go with the Adamar jacket uh hq or nq if you can't afford the hq yet uh, plus the Panamimi, because that'll give you 11, uh, 10 or 11, depending on the HQ and Q. Or you can go Reki Yotai and Ayabani Earring, which uh, I'm actually more of a fan of, but it is a bit harder to get the Reki Yotai. Yeah. Which is a and what was the Panamimi? Are you saying the Potentia, or what was the... That's the Panamimi. 
This oh, so, oh okay. I thought you were just saying Panamimi, like uh, like Panama or something. I didn't know you were saying no, Super. No. Yeah, because I mean the the ear slot is not very impactful. Yeah. Like if you're going to give up a slot, the ear is generally where you want to be, and you get to wear an excellent TP piece at the same time, which is the Adamar body. Um, but if you need to go into a more defensive set, a lot of times maybe you're going to want to change up your um, your body slot because that is a really important slot for DT as well. At which point, uh, Reki Yotai gains a ton of value, and you get to wear the Magic Evasion of Aabani. Um, so, like, keep those two pairs in mind whenever looking at dual wield when when you're at dual wield three and your haste cap, um, because generally, if you can build a set around maximizing your dual wield and your DPS with those in mind, you're going to get probably the better sets. Yeah, and dual wield's one of those things that is probably the easiest for anyone to build around. You don't need a spreadsheet for that, really, um, at all, because you have, for dual wield options that you would be using, you either have a cape, maybe an augmented uh, Herculean piece or something, uh, or earring and, and waist. And unless you need more dual wield for maybe your weekend, maybe you're not haste cap, whatever, it's pretty much always going to be just the four pieces in play that are your back your body, your earrings, and your waist there. And, and moving those around based on what gear you have and what job you're on, you should be able to relatively compare the stats of, okay, this will give me store TP and accuracy. This gives me nothing besides five dual wheel in the ear. I mean, this gives me this. And you should be able to, without any other input besides your own, be able to look at that and go, okay, this is overall better because I get more out of it than putting this on. Right. And it's okay to, to stand on the shoulders of the giants that came before you. Like, again, that, that's how you learn. And like, maybe you can improve on sets and things like that. Um, when you look at these guides, it's your, your goal is to not copy paste what you see there, but it's to understand why the set is being built to begin with and why they're making the choices that they're making. And, and sometimes you get the benefit of a blurb, but if you can apply that, even if you can't, where the set specifically that, that's in front of you but if you can at least apply the reasoning you're getting closer to the goal that you're shooting for it i mean i don't mean to zoodle my noodle here but the dt sets i put out i copy paste yeah i and i mean uh, with a lot of jobs that's the case like i the 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 dt slash am3 set that i use on beastmaster like when i when i use aimer and i don't always use aimer but like i'll just use that as an example it's an excellent set when you know that you're going to get uh, punched in the face uh, because you're abusing your AM3 and you're you're using malignance properly, and I figure I would like bring this up as a good segue into talking about sets that go wrong when you're a thief and you don't <laughs> understand what the word hybrid is. I was I was thinking that at this exact moment actually as well. I was thinking it. Um, I don't want to pick on Melfina because they are a very old school player, and let's leave it there. But in the thief thread today, they posted a hybrid thief set. And it has 50%. Even if, if you ignore the other things going on with this set, because there's some problems there. But if you ignore those things, a hybrid set is not 50% DT. That is a full DT set with an offensive focus. A hybrid DT set is the thing you throw on because you're just being a little cautious. You could probably get away with your glass cannon set, but you, you want to you wanna, you know, not die ever. And you're not a huge threat. Or maybe you're just doing dynamis yeah. and you, you need like... Because a few pieces in this game, you're generally always going to have in your DD back, because it's always going to be the Amiskade cape, you're always going to have 10% right off the bat. So having two pieces, you can put a defending ring on and keep everything the same, and you're already rocking 20%. That is a hybrid set. I mean, you're really taking less damage overall for an entire run by wearing one extra piece. I mean, it's extreme to wear one piece and call it a hybrid set, but just wearing even a couple pieces, you could hit 
you know, 30% with a couple changes, and that is a hybrid set. Putting full malignance on and, and two DT rings instead of just defending ring uh, and things like that, that's not hybrid. And people, yeah. when I see them approach with that mindset, I, I think already they're going astray before they even start. Yeah, I, you want to go back to the root of, because I see people throw the, the hybrid idea around a lot, and there's a difference between DT and hybrid, and calling it DT hybrid is is just kind of misleading. Um, to under to understand what you're shooting for when it comes to something that's hybrid, like, like he's saying, is you want to understand at a basis what hybrid means and why you would hybridize something. So you, you would generally hybridize something because you want to minimize the losses that you have, but you want to be able to gain more against a specific thing like you want your you want your hybrid sets to be specialized like you want them to do something for a reason it doesn't just have to be dt but that is one thing you could try to specialize against um you you minimize the amount of swaps uh like you were saying like defending ring goes a huge way for that because you're only losing a single ring slot um it doesn't mean you have to go all the way up to 50 percent because that's a that's a tank set that's that's your dt um but it can also be something as simple as you've identified that there's a lot of like uh, AOE par paralyzed. Like, uh, let's look at the first floor of Omen with the Tigers. Um, I see DDs complain about paralyze all the time and when they have like full bar spells and stuff. And a lot of times it's because it's not that they aren't in their turtle set. It's just they aren't wearing like their Kendetsuba gear or any malignance that they have or terms or, or, or something that doesn't necessarily have to be at a DT cap but it will defend you against something that you know you have to specialize against because that content is coming. We've covered it before uh, since you're going paralyzed, the pox sounds. On, pox thief, sounds yeah, yeah. on Thief, with a crappy bar spell from Submage or something, just putting two, I mean just two pieces of malignance will make it reliable, but three you generally don't get paralyzed ever. Just three pieces of malignance and everything else being the same on your, that's a hybrid set. That would be enough magic evasion for this specific target, and that's something you would have to play around with. But that's an example. But here's another good example. Hybrid set. How about you have your normal D, uh, TP set? You have your full accuracy TP set. If you you should never really ever need that. But how about you change <laughs> a little bit of accuracy? There you go. Now you have a hybrid accuracy set. And, you know, no one goes, this is my hybrid accuracy set and puts on every piece of accuracy in the game and goes, this is my hybrid, you know. So you have to know yeah. what you're doing with your sets. And actually, to me, it makes the most sense to have the DT in the high accuracy sets, uh, because if you think about a situation where you're going to wear that level of DT, it usually means that something has gone very wrong, and it usually means that your supporter and your tank around you are dead. So it makes the most sense to wear extreme accuracy sets in combination with DT, because you know you're about to get walloped, uh, because everyone else around you is no longer breathing. And, you know, uh, back to the whole, how do I know what to do? Uh, when I'm this or that or X, Y, Z, uh, the inflection points in this game. People often, we had it in the Discord the other day, how much uh, blood pack damage is worth magic attack bonus for the avatar or yeah. whatever. You know, there, there's various inflection points and you can kind of generalize with that. It's not an absolute rule. But you can generalize that way, but, uh, you know, multi-attack, store TP, and, and Melfina's TP max damage set, whatever the hell that is, um, they, they, you know, they change their back to crit and put on every piece of crit they can, uh, with relative the other TP gear you're already using and call it a max set there. There's inflection points and adding, taking away the extra 10 store TP there in your back, um, without, I mean, there's no context there. Maybe you have other buffs on, maybe you have Rama and Sand, you know, whatever. It's, it's not going to be 
as beneficial, even though you're aiming for doing max white damage crits with a twash star, whatever, and using vocabulary to make it sound like it's a real coherent set. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's certain points where adding more crit rate is not going to be better than adding something else, multi-attack or store TP to your overall DPS. And that's not a new story there. And people really focus on when they're gearing up like max double attack or max store TP or even even on Dragoon, people worry about hit builds. And while you want to keep a general one in mind, conserve TP, Sam's roll, these things all invalidate those builds anyway. Yes. So, yeah. And also keep in mind if you're, if your favored weapon skill, and this requires some research, if your favored weapon skill has what we call TP overflow, because if it, if it gains more from having TP past a thousand, then it's, it's more reasonable for maybe, you, you know, maybe you should hold off on, on using it or being less concerned about hitting your TP. Uh, hitting your weapon skill right at 1000 you know like you said the the hit builds are a nice generalization but they're almost never practiced yeah and using rouge storm without a tp bonus offhand in this set that they posted uh you know why would you want to have less store tp for a weapon skill you need more tp to benefit from because your skill chain window is within nine seconds originally if you have to wait for another attack round, you could have missed a skill chain opportunity, whether it was someone else or yourself. So adding some crit rate and saying you're doing more bam bam white damage, uh no. Yeah. And and the the biggest offender that I see uh, is when people get their Empyrean weapon, or it's usually like their first Empyrean weapon, and they instantly think that a lot of their builds need to dramatically change and it's going to, you know, change how they DPS and stuff. Um, but a lot of times when people make these these sets or even these theoretical sets, they don't really explain to you what kind of buffs they're getting in and what situation it's being used. So just because you have an Empyrean weapon doesn't mean that suddenly you now should just throw nothing but crit rate on and, you know, assume that the white damage is going to carry what, you know, what your, your regular weapon skill damage would have done. Yeah, just because you have a Tizona with Aftermath up doesn't mean you suddenly get rid of Opponent's Ring and just put on yeah. Cherich Ring and say this is the best thing in the game because uh, it's interfering with my AM, so therefore I need to take it off. You know, there's a balance between your pieces, and you can't... People go, okay, I need to take put on max store TP when I have Aftermath up with a Mythic, and that's not the case. You need to... When I put Aftermath up, I change only a few pieces of gear, and they're usually accessories, not the main armor pieces, and that goes for... Dragoon too, if you look at the attack cat weapon skill sets, only a few pieces oh, yeah. change. Sometimes on the the thief guide, none of the pieces change. I mean, it's just just how it is. You don't change much in these situations. You really only eke out little bits of DPS at a certain point. Yeah, when I explained that earlier about how my Beastmaster will swap into like malignants when I have uh, Aimer AM3 up, there's a lot of decisions that go into doing that. And what I wanna what I want you to know is that I have ways of overriding it too if it's not appropriate at the time. Um, I just have it set up for my general playstyle and what I think is going to happen any time that's active generally. And I, I like to be prepared for it and then be able to change it should that eventuality not actually happen. You know, I have my blue Lua has become such a layered mess, but it, it's very functional. I know how to use it, but it's such a layered mess that I have, you know, my TP set. I have my DT set that overrides it or you can lock something and supersedes everything. I have, you know, AM3 comes on and only a couple pieces change. But I also have Tizona DT AM3 on top of another layer there, where oh if I have a hybrid DT set on and AM3 comes on, I change one piece. Adamar Bonnet goes to Malignant Chapeau. I think the more fucked up your Lua ends up being at the end of the day while still being functional, 
the better you are off as a DD. And then the reason I say that is because if you've put that much work into making sets work within your Lua, it means that you have there's a higher chance that you're actually understanding why you're making these changes and you're understanding what sets need to interact in what way. So um, usually what I tell people when they first start a job is to, is to get a Lua, um, even get two Luas. You can get the basic version and the advanced version because usually those flavors are available. And use one as a template for the other because you can kind of see like what decisions people before you have made and what the functionality is and the things that they try to stress for their job are. Um, and it gives you kind of an idea of what to look um, when, when you go to build. The problem is, though, most of the time people just first thing they come across is the Motes Lua with the include. And assuming they figure out how to use the include, it's not too hard. But if you assuming you get that down right, put that in the right place, uh, you know, that's already to me, even to this day. I can't use Motes Lua's because they're very complicated to me and clunky of moving between different modes and, and everything. It's, if you know how to yeah. use it, it's not hard, but that's the baseline everyone finds. From that, you either find Cylindrals or Arislons, um, you know, Lua's most of the time into that and don't really find anything besides those in most cases. And those take Motes and go even further and have uh, Cylindrals too. Just all these infinite levels of manual toggles and changes they've done to it, it becomes a nightmare it's, it's like uh it's like being in the the lunar space capsule and you're like falling from orbit here and all, all the lights are going <laughs> off and the sirens and the steam is flying That's in your face idea. and you're trying to pull the right lever and you're spinning around here out of control it's like oh what do i press you know it's it's a lot going on even mine i find i'm like if i get on it and i'm playing for a while i'm like oh wait what are my toggles on most DD jobs, um, I actually use the Motes ones, but they're, they're the ones with the rest of the sets already built in. It's not the ones where you need like an include file. Um, those are the ones that I consider basic whenever I say basic. So if people n want to know the context of that, that's what I'm talking about. Um, when it comes to tank jobs, though, uh, I actually use the ones that you use. And um, I actually took the the rune one that, that you had posted and I, I transformed that into a paladin one. And it seems like with every tank job outside of Ninja, that's a different story. Um, but with every tank job I've I've gone on, or any time at situation where I've wanted to build something for a tank, um, those levers seemed more efficient because you have to throw them less often on a tank job. Yes. Um, whereas with the melee ones, there's a lot of situations where you've got other things to think about, and like you 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 want to make sure that you know if you need to toggle to like a different set because you're not in a bubble or something, you want to make sure that that is like readily available, and that, that's where I'll advocate the the DD one. Uh, for being the basic stuff. I love my uh, my rune lower because it takes the premise of tanking is the first layer, not TPing. And if I want to do anything yeah. else, I got to start pressing levers. But if i just trying to play my job, I have to do nothing besides run at the mob, maybe toggle one set in, in, a, yeah, in, in a single array. Uh, I actually recommend that, that even though it's a bit more complicated for a Lua, because it technically is, um, I actually recommend that anyone starting out on Rune Fencer should actually pick that Lua up because it teaches you how to play the job while you fill it out. And I, I think it really does a good job of that. Honestly, I have my blue basic Lua, which I have, there's a bug in it I have to fix with Treasure Hunter that I realized years later. But honestly, what I want to do is just take that and strip out that kind of stuff and just make a basic all jobs Lua. This is my TP gear. Here's my fast cast set. Here's my weapon skill set. And just anyone can pick that up and go because... It wouldn't have an include or anything because you just write a big massive file and just change the gear and ignore all the rules, and you wouldn't. What have I would to. recommend if you do that is rather than just taking the stuff out, um, I would say comment it out, 
So that way, no, it no, still you don't. skips it. But if people want to add to it later, they can see where those components would fit. That's, and they can choose. That's good that. and all, but you don't want to leave all these layers of if you know this is true or false, then this is your TP set. You don't want to comment that out. You just want to remove it and make it as basic as possible. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could just download the other one, right? Yes, they could. But I just think a basic... This is my TP set. This is my weapon skill set. No toggles, no nothing. Just this is it. Would help the vast number of people more than digging for... Because I look for other Lua's for my job to try and make some rules or look what people have done with rules, and I can never find anything I can use at this point ever. And I'm at the point of asking certain questions in the BG forums, and I just don't get answers because it's not straightforward or easy anymore. Yeah, well, especially if you want to go deeper, like not use some terms. Because I remember that you asked me that one question about trying to build something without using the the buff active term. Yes, the sneak attack still doesn't work properly. <laughs> and that, that on its own became its own special hell because I was trying to reference something that I referenced in all my other Lua's the same way. And you're just like, I want to do it without buff active. So well, it became like this binary toggle enough. dance. Yeah, I, I get you. I, I understand why you want to use it. But yeah, it just became like its own hellscape. Yep. So anyway, let's get past that because, you know, I think that sufficiently tangent, covers. No, it was a good tangent. I think it sufficiently covers because, honestly, you can take everything we're saying here and apply it and take it to heart and, and use it. But if you don't use gear swap, it doesn't really matter, in my opinion, because you might as well. I mean, you can you can I can't say it doesn't matter, but the vast majority of the importance is stripped out because. How well are you going to be able to make all these sets on all these jobs with the available slots and the way it works and manually? You can do it. It's not a problem. You know, equip set and then weapon skill and take off the set. But okay, you needed an accuracy set. So do you make another macro just to go back to your accuracy set for every single weapon? You know, it's it's very limiting and it gets overwhelming at a certain point. So you can't take all of these improvements to heart if you don't have something basic just to handle everything. And that's what GearSwap is. And, and where you are in the world matters a lot with that too. Because if you're not playing like in Japan directly, um, there there is latency with the server. And sometimes you can't actually respond to things in the way that you would hope in order to make that work. Like I'm not active, I'm not advocating React because I'm not a React player. Like I don't, I don't, I, don't have it. I, I, I actually play my video games. Um, but when Lua can determine something that's going on and, and you don't have the advantage of being right there to to hit your defense macro and have it actually be on in time, um, that's the sort of stuff where where GearSwap is really maximizing what, what you can do. And and understanding how your GearSwap works and using it appropriately to do that uh, is probably one of the best things you can do so that you're wearing your sets when they are meant to be worn. The number one thing that pushed me to use GearSwap because for many years, even into the Abyssia era, Back when the cap was going up to 99, I still was not using, at level 99 almost, not using gear swap. I refused to. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a special flower fox. But the okay. thing that eventually pushed me over the edge was being a mage and after every fight having to manually put my idol set back on. And that eventually drives you insane. It does, yeah. Especially having, when you have like multiples and like one of them is your movement speed one. And one's one a DT, your- yep. DT or refresh, refresh or is the thing because having that auto refresh is, as a mage is the most important thing generally, and having to do it manually makes you want to not do that job anymore. Oh man! Uh, speaking of, like I remember the conversation I had with Carrot about uh, the Sandoria Volti, 
And people actually put way too much emphasis on refresh nowadays, um, especially for jobs that have native ways of restoring their own MP. Like you very rarely see anyone actually run out of MP now. And I think people can dial back on the refresh stuff in their idols uh, in favor of not getting debuffs landed on them and things. Um, you, you do need refresh still. Like you still have an upkeep, but you don't need as much as people will tend to jam on their gear. So I just kind of keep in mind your situation and how much refresh you have in sets that you use because there's more important things usually like when you're in the thick. Non-Tazona Blue Mage definitely needs all that auto-refresh. But you can, in my blue Lua, and I'm sure they could find another Lua, it's very simple. If you can make a rule that if you've gone lower than a certain threshold, I think I'm like lower than 40% or something is the rule and I'm idle. It'll put on some extra auto-refresh pieces and you you can do it that way too. Yeah, if player.mpp uh, is less than percentage, whatever percentage you 40. want. Yeah, that, that's the that's the syntax you want to, to call that. Do you want to talk about trust? Yeah, we actually meant to when when I was uh, when I brought up that we need to talk about party comp. Yeah, uh, I thought we were talking comp, about trust first. Yeah, like so uh, we talked about this before we got on here, and trusts are more important to how we do things than we really give it credit for. And I, I think the experience people have with this game now um, actually forces them to build bad parties because the the way that you level is you you have like these trusts that'll do a lot of the work for you. And it doesn't really reward you for building a part. Well, it does if you do it properly. But for most people, they're not going to have a, a trust config that matches the same kind of trust config you'll have at endgame when they level. So you end up with these, these trust parties where it's like five DDs and a white mage. And like they're just like popping off their weapon skills and everything's in order because they're all playing well automatically because they're machines. Um, and then when you get to endgame, people kind of lose sight of what they need to call. And that can affect how they build parties later. Like, like I see a lot of people not know why. Like in the three geo situation, they know that they want a geo, just like you know when you call a trust that you want trusts that do the stuff you need, but you don't really know why you're calling each trust. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, and a lot of times there's trusts that people don't call because they're just calling the standard trust and they're not applying it to the right situation. So not like domain invasion matters, but if you're on a actually maybe if you're on a lower population server because I'm taking it from the Asura bubble where you show up to Miryu and it's dead and you can't target it the whole yeah. fight and you're just standing there. You know, you, you, that's that's one thing. But if you're on a lower population server, you want to pick trusts that make more sense for you in that fight and you're getting all of the songs and roles from all the other trusts, so why would you also call Coltata, Joachim, Omia? Why would you call them at all? You're already getting the benefits from the five other people around you that are using those trusts and you're already getting that. So there's other trusts that people don't use, like uh, even Ararat, which people probably don't even have Aruhat, but that, that as soon as you call Aruhat, it gives you one minute of uh, Blood Rage. And that's that's kind of nice, especially for Domain Invasion. Yeah, and I mean, the, again, it ties back into knowing the content. Like, you'll call trust based on what you think you need, based on what you're fighting. So, like, you know you need a, a minimum of X. And that's why I started out talking today about making sure you're a haste cap, because when you're calling trust, make sure you're a haste cap. You have the ability to directly choose if you're a haste cap or not, more or less. So make sure you pick that. And then from there, like if you need that blood rage, like pick trust that give you the blood rage. Or And you're you know, saying like, call them to reach haste cap, not be at haste cap when you call them in case that was confusing. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Just, you know, wanted to make sure. And also there's a huge difference between pre-99 and post-99 um, when it comes to what trust you call. Because what you'll find and what I hope people will realize is that 
all the DD trusts are really, really bad unless they have another utility that comes with them that you need specifically. Yeah, uh, certain people only call DD trusts, and uh, you know that's that's also not a good idea. Yeah, they're novel. Sure, it, it, it may be like a cool RP thing that you do um, in game that you know tickles your fancy when you're on your own, but it doesn't build good habits like when you're when you're tackling content, and it definitely doesn't help you understand how to build a party if you're a new person. So, you know, understanding like the Holy Trinity of how a party works and, and what that is, is it's your, your tank, healer slash support and DPS. Um, having that available and knowing how to call that and, and gear it towards what you're fighting is probably the, the best way to come at it. So what are some of your, I just want to go on this, this and this little thing here because not everyone is uh, an end game player listening to us. If they are, thank you for listening by the way, but they're not all end game players. What are your, some of your favorite trust for, have you leveled up recently? Cause if I ask you, what are some of your favorite trusts for leveling up? You might not leveled anything quite a long time. Uh, well, I recently leveled mules like on my, on my main on Fox. I haven't leveled like anything, but on like other mules I, I have. And, uh, while leveling, I, the one I like the most that's impressed the hell out of me um, that isn't Shantoto 2, which by the way, when you're leveling, you should use Shantoto 2, um, is actually uh, Sami Lafina. I, I, I don't know how to how to pronounce it. It's the uh, Windurstian Mithrin Archer. Um, that trust will straight up carry you all, all the way. Like uh, what it does with Sidewinder is really stupid and it gets it really early. Yeah, I when I leveled Rune, Carrot and I duoed Rune with each other, I didn't. You, I used her, I think, a little bit, and then I just switched over at a certain point. I was using, as a combo of trust, Theodore and Shantoto 2, because they would skill chain with each other, and they would both magic burst together. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but and, I mean... Well, in, in a lot of old content, like magic bursting is a lot more viable than it is past 99, unfortunately. That's very so, true. So, yeah, when, when you have those trusts, like anytime you can synergize a magic burst, uh, you're pretty much just instantly putting the mob down, and that's going to lead to your best chains, of course. Uh, when 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 I go to actually build a party though um, of trust that I need, it's it's really heavily going to depend on what job I'm on, and not all of that is is because of the trust I know I'm probably going to end up using. A lot of it determines whether or not I'm going to use Sylvie. And for people who don't know who or what Sylvie is, uh, Sylvie is the Unity trust. Uh, she's a geomancer sub white mage, and she's a very capable healer actually. Um, and she doesn't actually provide the strongest debuffs. But you can stack things in such a way that they add up. And she will provide Fury Frailty for some jobs, or she'll provide Haste for some jobs. And that Haste can sometimes be more reliable than, like, let's say, Olmia for, for Marches, because sometimes she'll just give you Valid because fuck you. Sylvie will give Indy Haste to Rune, War, uh, Rune Paladin, Thanks. and Ninja, yeah. Well, Ninja's not... It, anyway, I'll give it to those three well, jobs. Yeah. And the problem, too, is... Uh, what is it? Uh, that's an, it doesn't entrust that. It's just a main. That's, that'll be its main indie. So it won't use frailty or fury for those jobs. But the problem with Sylvie is, especially for new players, is having to use that as a unity uh, instead of using your and Orin or a Puru. A white mage that's beneficial, yeah. Because I mean, you're really you're really shorting yourself in that situation to using Kupipi, um, who you have to plant in a location and move away from after you've engaged the mob, or she'll just stand there and die to AOE. Or you can use Cherokee and it causes its own problems. Um, it, it's not; it's actually not as good of a healer as Kupipi is, like in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but it will try to silence. Sometimes it'll silence the mob until you die. So, I mean, you're you're not going to get better than like the Unity Trust until you get uh, for healers until you get like Ignis and Monbro. 
I would use before, when I was Sylvie, before I had Yagnus or anything, uh, I would use Millie, uh, Alapo or whatever. The only thing I didn't like about that, and that's the Mithra with the club, for people who don't know, is two things. Uh, one, she would spam her MP away really quickly, and, and I really I really hated that. And then she also used this move that I call Scrubbing Bubbles, where like she'll wave <laughs> her club around, and she'll like AoE these bubbles all over the place. Scouring, from all the scouring Scrubbing Bubbles. Yeah, it's a Scrubbing Bubbles attack, and like she likes to die from the AoE she does. Well, leveling is showing the other thing, but yeah, there's a lot of situations right. where it would be. I mean... I'm looking at it more from a vacuum. When I used her, it was not for omen farming. It was for like popping uh, a, a Gias Fey or something, uh, a yeah. Esha mob, and then having full MP, and that's it. So yeah, I guess your kind of Kupipi would be what you're left with. But you can, you can, if you call uh, someone like Korumoru, is who I'd use in that case, because it'll refresh Kupipi at least. If you call Korumoru second to last and then call Kupipi after that, she'll stand behind Koru. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Wait, I mean, no, actually, she melees. Will she run in? No. No, she won't. Okay. Um, she'll stand. She'll stay put, and so will Korimoru. Um, the, the key to using them, and I see a lot of people complain about them, especially Korimoru, is they're like, well, Koru always dies, and he converts right next to the mob, and that's because you haven't moved away. Um, when you engage, that plants the AI trust where they're standing, and they don't move sometimes. So you will actually have to physically move your ass away from them, um, or you're going to have that result every single time. Like, Korimoru doesn't know any better. He just knows that he's low on MP, so he's going to convert. But you have the ability to move the mob away from so definitely keep that in mind. Yagnus is my favorite. He has some drawbacks, but his high magic evasion is great. His high magic evasion is amazing, and everyone should work on getting access to him in one way or another. It, it does a lot for you in the game to complete all that, even though it's a time gate. I really enjoy it. Well, yeah, the time gate from the... If you take the coalition part out of it, which, hey, now you can do Geo or Rune and have the weapon, woohoo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you take that out of it, I really enjoyed... Some of those quests were nice, um, and I just enjoyed doing all that and running all over the place for... It wasn't like fetch quests, most of the, I mean, some of them were, but I, I thought it was fun to... Like, the thing about wrinkly skin, to go, like, find the the right pool at the right time and, you know, the cutscene. It, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah, like, feel free to enjoy yourself in the game, too, right? Yeah. Um, I also have that skews part of how i do things i have the mog garden cheer from the cactus which gives me two percent movement speed and it's what is it like three a tick refresh and two a tick refresh and five a tick regen or something to your trust that's actually something i need to do more um i have the worst mog garden ever it's done and then i moonwalked out of it because i i was so tired of doing it yeah because something yeah. we were talking about monster weary. Carrot and I were talking about King of Hearts and stuff versus uh, Koromoru, and oh. she complained that if you light skill chain a lot or you fusion or whatever, whatever, uh, the Fyraga will eat up King of Hearts MP. And I was thinking to myself, well, I don't have that problem because I have like the three attack auto refresh oh. to all my trusts, and it is a huge deal. Even to Yagnus, it's even to any MP trust that doesn't have, you know, the knot or whatever you get with Unity, it's a big deal for farming Omen and not having to stop to call your trust King. again. King of fucking hearts. Okay, so <laughs> oh boy, if you are solo or if you are duo, the trusts you call are different. Okay, I've seen so many people who who solo more often than they're with one or more people, and when they go to call a red mage, they call King of Hearts. And please look up your trusts when you when you go to use them. Um, King of Hearts will buff you, and he will buff Shantoto but he will not buff anyone else in your party. So he is providing you haste to, but he is not providing haste to to anyone else 
unless your name is Shantoto. I think by the time this comes out, uh, there might still be time. I think you get Shantoto too during the login campaign right now, which I don't know yeah. how much longer we have in that. But yeah, King of Hearts is great though because he immediately does Dia. He's incredibly fast with the race and Nas. So even if you're with someone else, if they don't need a haste or something, they'll. But they won't do it to other people though. That's yeah, the, but he'll still if erase. If you by yourself, he's excellent. Oh, he doesn't erase other people. No, not, I thought not he erased other people. I knew he didn't buff other people. I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up. Like I almost never use him because of this. I use him because he, you know, he'll he, he'll eventually haste to me. The problem with him though is if you have haste one, he won't overwrite it. But I don't know if Corey does the same thing. He will not either. There is only one trust I know of at the top of my head who will. Arciella? Yes, Arciella. And she's great with Yagnus because, especially if you're a blue mage or a mage in general, you can use the Moogle for MP. You can have all your auto refresh and whatever in the world. And I don't know if it stacks with the Geo Bubble. But then you can also call Yagnus with Arciella. And it is a separate AoE. Could be a Geo thing too, because the Moogle one is not a Geo thing. Hmm. But uh, because Yagnus is part Geo, fun fact. That's interesting. Yeah, he's he's a white mage Geo. Uh, but if you call it Arciella, uh, you'll also get an extra uh auto refresh of three a tick. So when I'm blue burning Omen on or farming Omen as a blue burn, I meant to say, uh, I'll have the Moogle and Arciella, and I'll get a six a tick auto refresh before my gear. So it's kind of nice. I think the only thing that has ever turned me off to Arciella is her modes. Yes. Like, I don't like trusts that go into modes because I, I like to be able to rely on the AI I'm summoning them for. And I want them to always do what I know I can manipulate them into doing. And when she switches between light and dark, it, it it's painful to me. Even though the both modes actually have their married. It's just she might not be in light mode when you need her to be in light. You know? Okay. And King of Hearts does uh, erase and not other party members. Oh, okay. So I'm wrong. There. Just the refresh phalanx and haste that he will not do to other people. But he's good yeah. too because if you call Koru uh, and you're on Blue Mage or you're on Corsair, you're not getting haste from him. So unless they fix it for Blue, well, but definitely no, for Koru. Uh, he'll he'll get he'll give you haste. He doesn't give you refresh though. And that's I think it's an weird. old bug for Blue. They changed eventually because originally he would not give haste to a Blue unless they changed that. I think they might have. But definitely on Core, you a Ranger, you get flurry, and that's a problem, especially with all the Corsairs yeah. running around. Yeah, Corsairs, I know uh, Koru drives Corsairs nuts because of the whole uh, flurry thing. That's for sure. Uh, and then, like, if we're not talking about all these buffer trusts, though, uh, when we talk about the DD trusts that don't really provide anything, and that would be, like, basically your, your your generic ones from the list that don't really stand out. Like, if they show up and all they do is weapon skill, you're probably going to be able to find something better. Um, but there are some notable ones that will do things for you, depending on what you're, what you're going up against. Um, Z2 uh, likes to stun, and um, uh, Celtius, or, or Celtius, or however you pronounce him, the, the angel dude, um, he will actually fully restore your party with, with with his TP attacks and stuff. And he looks like just a DD trust until he does those things. Um, but and anytime... if you're soloing like a uh, Omen NM or something, and your trusts are dying, you can position Celtius out of range with Koru yep. or something, and he'll stand back there instead of if you call him immediately, he'll stand next to the mob and die. But you can also get him out of range to keep doing that because he has regain. He'll keep doing that move. Yeah, like when you engage tough mobs like that, um, you you generally want to engage, and all your trusts will usually just be right around you, and then you want to kind of like kite them out. And this is actually what kiting is named after. Um, if you drag the mob around, you'll you'll notice that your your trusts will kind of run behind them in like a line. And that's how you know that they're pretty much at the max range that they're going to be at. But once you've fanned them out in that way, um, you can then stop. And a lot of times they'll be out of range. So that, that's how you position them. You know what's great about Zed as well, besides stunning? 
round strike? No, not him interrupting your skill chains. If you have Coltata, oh, if you have Coltata out, he'll give an extra bonus to Chaos roll. Yeah, um, a lot of people don't actually know that. Um, you uh, you actually need like Dark Knights in your party and stuff. Sometimes it'll trigger off the Relic Hat, like with real cores. Uh, but with Coltata, he doesn't get an equipment bonus. And yeah, if you have a Dark Knight in the party, at least to initially get the Chaos rolls, um, you can you can summon Zed, get your roll buffs kill the the fodder mob that you're fighting and then put z away and get out of real trust afterwards like if you don't need the stuff same with kiltava too actually well, my favorite trust though on certain jobs like dragoon or something they can't use them on blue mage because it won't work with nature's meditation and you already have haste um is to use uh Ezen Mill s and he is you know people need to call him more often as a support trust because he's a dd and he's useless for that. And he also has an AOE move, but not like he gets TP yeah. anyway at high level. He uses Stag's Call as soon as you call him, which is a three-minute buff of... It's 15% haste, so whatever. Uh, but it's it's 15 magic attack bonus, which is not not that small. But he gives you a 15% attack, which stacks with Berserk and stuff like that. So you get an extra 15% attack on top of anything else you'd use. It, you know, it's the Nature's Meditation buff slot. So uh, that yeah. that's probably one of the best supporting trusts you can call that's not one of the standard ones. Yeah, if you're not on like Blue Mage or Beastmaster or something, something that's going to provide a better buff for that slot on its own, uh, that's definitely something to call. Like, I didn't even know about him and what he really did uh, until we talked about it before the the podcast today. If you're leveling, I don't know when he gets it when you're leveling, but MAB plus 15 to Shantoto 2 when you're leveling would be very big. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, her, her nukes already have an incredible amount of them. Actually, I think they have an incredible amount of magic damage because they're tier ones. Um, but but she she definitely nukes like she's like a grown up black mage uh, with tier ones. Um, just doesn't have access to like the anything. Her like weapon that. skills, though, too, or, you know, having magic attack bonus would help those. That's true. Uh, like, I never really count on trust damage. And when it comes to Shantoto, the part I care about is that her, her AI likes to close skill chains because that gives her more chance for the better side of her damage. Um, but if you know how to play around that, you can actually, like, trick her into doing skill chains when you need them. So just kind of play around with the trust config. A big one I always people talk about, too, is Aroha. Uh, is maybe for lower level leveling or something. But yes. for her, for skill chaining, she never on stuff that's hard. She never hits enough to do that. But I mean, if you were, I mean, if maybe if you're doing an apex party as a scholar or something, and you were trying to solo CP on a crab or something, maybe a roha could help you there. Are you talking about a roha too? Yeah. Okay, so she's a special case. Um, I used to use her a lot when I didn't have like access to the critical mass of gear I had. I'd say like two years ago, I used her all the time because she gives a lot of utility to a newish player that you won't have automatically. Like her, her stone skin is actually a big deal against lower level content. And she gives it to everybody, including your other trusts. So there's actually application there. Uh, like if you're ever to go in and fight a, a Kyo by yourself, the guy that doesn't faltering bravado, you can actually line your trusts up in such a way that she can save their life. If you, if you push him to do bravado, after she's done that stone skin, because it absorbs a pretty substantial amount of HP. What's the stone skin one? Is that? Uh, I forget what it's called. She doesn't use it very often, though, so it's not like the most reliable thing, but it is something you can do. Um, it's not part of her normal TP attacks. Like, I think you would actually have to back off on DPS and let her do her own thing. And I think she triggers it kind of like she triggers, uh, kind of like how Celtius triggers it. Um, but I'd have to look it up. Otherwise, I'm just kind of talking out of my ass. I know she does it, I don't remember the exact parameters under which she does it. You know what's cool too is getting Treasure Hunter 1 from all the Thief Trust. That's not bad either. 
yeah, it's just a freebie. Uh, another weird one, it, depending on what trust you have access to uh, as a low-level player, I kind of enjoyed using Leka Haboka, our great favorite Evan Batuta guy, because he has his uh, <laughs> AoE kind of heal erase move. Oh, and I didn't he, know about he that casts, either. He casts a tier one, uh, tier one and two nukes, uh, but he has an AoE erase and heal that kind of seemed to help, and he attacks pretty often. See, I'm boring. The The reason Spicy knows about all this stuff is is I go with what I know will work because I've like researched the thing to death and it might not even be the most efficient thing. But like my normal trust setup for like a regular job that isn't a tank is usually like Koru, Olmia, Kiltata, Sylvie, Ignis. Which tank holds hate the best as a trust? Uh, me. Which oh, Yes, that's why usually I don't call a tank well, trust half the time. That, it's that's I want to bring up though is that most of the time unless you go out of your way the trust can't really hold hate off you like you you have to consciously try not to pull hate off of them in order Depends. to make it happen the the only job i've been able to to consistently do it on is ninja and that's because if i go in and behind the mob i can control how often i weapon skill but outside of that like i i think archangel elven aaev is the is the only one that really successfully holds hate off me most of the time I don't know why. It never works for me. I'd never even call her because she never holds hate without provoke. Just uses flesh. <laughs> uh, well, she uses Sentinel. Yeah, but so does August. That's true. Well, the, the issue with August is August explodes. Like, if sure, it's magical, does, yes. Yeah. Well, Physical he does is the really best. well. He does really well when he has his wings up. But when his wings go away, he starts taking all the damage. Well, he does use Reprisal, too. Yeah. And Palisade. But no, I'm Choo Choo holds hate the best. The problem is she uses Berserk like an idiot. <laughs> the Rune Sub Warrior classic. Yeah, combo. yeah, Rune Sub Warrior. It's like Murr's playing, and then they're using Berserk. <laughs> but no, to be the... fair, I've never seen him use Rune Sub Warrior. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But no, using um using bar spells is great. But it also the the Valiance and the uh, doesn't use no doesn't use one for all. But the Valiance is always great because you get the, the yes. fast cast, but the Valiance usually helps a lot for AoE damage when you're fighting things in a in a very meaningful way against even harder mobs in this game. Yeah, like if you're farming the Avatar fights, uh, M-Chuchu is probably one of the better trusts you can call. I've tried using Kara for bar spell against Leviathan, and sometimes <laughs> Kara just gets one-shotted. So. Immediately dies. Yeah. That trust had a lot of potential, too. But yeah, I mean, the bar spells aren't even that great. But something's better than nothing. Yeah, they're and, like 90 yeah. or something. They're like sub-job level. Oh, not even. Like, you can get higher than that on sub-job, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyway, the trusts make us think about our party compositions. You were saying that people yes. people play this game, don't learn to make a party composition anymore because they're not leveling. But I think a lot of the times, too, they just don't know what to do with the content in the fight unless they see someone else say what they should do. That's true. And that makes sense also. Like you, you wanna you wanna be able to like research how things work. Like you you wanna know what your haste values are and what you should be shooting for. So once you know what that value is, then what should occur to you is if you can't provide that haste yourself, um, you wanna call a combination of trusts that can provide that haste, and then you can check that off your list. And you're like, Well, I have these extra slots to work with from here. Um, so what can I do? And that's where you can like fill in a tank. Um, you can fill in you know, if if you play around it and you let it hold hate, and you can fill in your other offensive buffs, usually they're going to be attack stuff regarding your PDF. Uh, without real players, I mean, you're you're not going to hit anything crazy versus real content. Like keep that in mind. But uh, in most situations where you go up against real content, you have real players. Where else do you think people really go awry? Like as far as being a DD or just uh, no, in general with this general. game and being a better player, what is usually besides 
not knowing the content or not reading or just not knowing what you're doing, but wanting to play with people and then not liking the results of people not liking you, not caring enough. Uh, besides those sort of things, what else do you really think? Anything jump out to you? Because there's 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 a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of things we can generalize and focus on. But I think, you know, there's more to the engine in, than just in those. In most parts. of the situations where it's irredeemable, like I, I like I said, I've done pickup groups outside of the, the the most recent one. And usually it's some something where someone has brought me into the group to help them because I know them. Right. So I know at least one person and how they're going to do stuff. Um, the the people that willfully don't learn are the ones that that typically stop themselves from being the best. And the, what I mean by that is you can have people who aren't the best and you can still clear content. Right. But if you have that one person in the group who either already thinks they're amazing or like ruins stuff and then doesn't take the criticism well, like they either just instantly drop from party or they stick around in party and just continue to do the same thing and the, the leader won't do anything about it, you know, stuff like that. Those, those, those people who are, who are that specific piece in this issue um, are the ones stopping themselves from learning this game better, I, I guess is the best way I can put it. Hi, I'm Ronstadt. What do you mean I need more weapon skills on Dark Knight than Resolution? I only have a Resolution set. Hi, I'm Ronstadt. Well, I wasn't going to call anyone out specifically, but... Oh, it's fun to pick on Ronstadt. I don't even know if he plays this you, game anymore. You you, you want to... If the party criticizes you for something, there's usually a reason they're doing it. And most of the time, they're not doing it just because like you you have bad gear or something like that. Like, like Don't try to put that image on yourself. It might actually be true. But again, everyone starts somewhere, and that person talking down to you may have a job where they aren't quite as geared either, and they still try to go to. I'm things. sure they do. So yeah, yeah, take take that with it with it with a grain of salt. Know that the criticism itself still matters, but don't let it necessarily get you down. Because if all of a sudden you just throw on this attitude, it's like, well, I can't play with people anymore. Well, then you're not going to get any more of these criticisms that can help you, and you're also not going to get exposure to the gear that will correct that problem that they're pointing out to begin with. Um, people are asshats like that's just all there is to it sometimes but take the comments they have for what they are because there is still some truth to some of them and there's a difference between picking on someone in a general sense and yes. just as i do and and actually having poignant criticism because sometimes people just don't know what they're talking about and act like they do and oftentimes i don't know what i'm talking about but at least i wouldn't keep pretending and tell someone they suck and you know yeah, yeah, there uh, has to be an exact reason to, to, to do that. And people get upset because they're a little fragile sometimes. But if you think about what's being said, it can help you. And communicating with people in general is a thing that is directly undervalued. Because like Fox, when we play, yeah, I, I may do stupid things because I'm me. Sometimes I may run in. Yeah, yeah, I may run in. But in general, when I play and I move left, you generally can anticipate that I'm moving left and you know how to yeah. work with that. Because, you know, if I've moved left in this scenario, there's only a few things that are possibly going to happen at that point. You've now eliminated, you know, a lot of probability and how you're going to approach something. And you know that, you know, I'm going to approach it in a way that you can work with. And making friends in this game and learning how they work and playing with them uh, that doesn't always work that way, but building synergy is probably one of the greatest ways to tackle any content on any job. Instead of just trying to let your strategy carry you, you can let the certain people you're working with fill in yes. those gaps of a strategy that just overwhelms things. So that's the final part to building the, the correct kind of party, right? So as we can talk about how trust can teach you how to build it with the right jobs, 
we can tell you what you need to shoot for when, when you're when you're building it, like what buffs are important. But at the end of the day, the actual player and the actual like network of players that, that you're playing with, I'm not saying it has to be a link shell or anything. Like Spicy obviously does his own thing, which is fine. But identifying like what players are gonna do what can change your tactic. Um, for example, I've been doing as part of my whole, I'm going to try pickup group things. Um, <laughs> I've been doing ambuscades with people. And when I've been going to these ambuscades, um, I'll generally go like Paladin or something. Cause I know I can, I can carry the Q Trub month and, and block them or whatever and take zero. Um, but a lot of times those groups try to set it up. So that there's a summoner with me and I've actually just been going sub summoner and just mewing because I'm, I'm capable of doing that. And this isn't a matter of tooting my own horn. Like if you know that someone in your group can do something like that and you can identify it, you can then build the group differently because you know someone can fill what would have been two roles as just one role. And you know, not knowing or knowing that that people won't always do that is one thing, but if you can identify it, it's a powerful tool for building your party because it frees you up for something else. And synergy, I think, is the ultimate to this game because there's times you can go into content and just absolutely face roll it. And then you can go in with a similar setup and similarly geared people and suddenly something that's so easy. Now you've lost it and you're on the ground or struggling. And it's like all the pieces are here. What's uh, what's missing here. It's the soul. Yeah. I, I talk a huge game about my LS dynamics runs and stuff like, like we farm wave two with like that's canceled, right? Uh, well, I canceled the one on Friday because nobody fucking said anything, but yeah. Um, Going to get a aside, call Fox. I don't care. Uh, so <laughs> aside from that, I, I'm tired of that shit. It's stupid. There's no reason why you can't say something. But anyway, please communicate with your group members, especially if you've made prior obligations with them before. It sounds, um, it sounds like there's some communication problems. So what I'm getting at I'm sorry. is that the same group that just blows stuff up, right, also fails really hard sometimes. And that's because like, maybe we overestimate what we need. Maybe we don't have people on the same jobs, even though they fill the same roles. Like there's a huge difference between like me being a tank or Hayden being a tank or Mer being a tank. And there are pros and cons to all of those. Right. But building the group based on what the rest of the group's capable of doing with any one of us in any of those given roles is going to change. Like if I'm the primary geo for the LS, right. Uh, if I'm on tank, then we have to have someone else be able to fill that, that geo role and be able to uh, have everyone else adapt to the way they play geo. Um, and that, that's just a single example. Like uh, when we switched out summoners for that Odin run, right? Like we had to re-explain to the new summoner every time, uh, you know, what they're going to be doing, like as far as like opening skill chains and stuff. And sometimes it's that easy, but you don't always have someone in that role who's capable or maybe they're they're learning. Yeah, um, I always tend to ask in a group. I mean, if I'm the leader, other times I just kind of sit back and ignore things until it's like, okay, everything went wrong. I better start, <laughs> better start speaking up and getting banned. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's I, I usually go. Anyone have any questions? Anyone not done this before? And generally, people don't answer even if they haven't. And I know it's you know to be shy or intimidated or timid is one thing, but you gotta kind of have to you have to work with people here. Otherwise, the game the challenge doesn't become the game; it becomes the people you're trying to play with. That's my greatest flaw. Um, I I don't do that. Like I I will stay quiet. Sometimes I'll just leave, or I'll just you know, try to do it myself. And that's not the right way to do it. You should communicate with your group and try to get everyone to maximize, you know, how they're playing. Oh, you know, one more big thing that just came to mind. That's a big thing that I can't believe I haven't thought of to talk about until just now. People prioritizing things out of order. Uh, there's been posts I see on Reddit or, or just people in game, new players even, where they don't have their gear filled out and they go, okay, what weapon's the best to make? 
Yeah. Okay. I think we've um, touched on that before, but not today. We have. The answer is not a weapon in the rest of your gear sets. But uh, we, we actually have a new member. We actually let a new member into our LS, which is a huge deal because we almost never do that because I usually... Oh? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we let a guy in um, who was in like the, the other side shell. Um, apparently, he proved enough aptitude or whatever. And Murr really wanted to get him in. So the guy gets in, right? And he knows that he's not a good rune fencer. And he's like all afraid of, you know, being able to tank because he knows his gear isn't like the best stuff that people shout for and stuff like that. Well, um, the, my LS doesn't care about that. We'll probably still clear the content. anyway. You're happy to lose. It's fine. Well, and, and most of the time we, we won't, though. Like we have people who are on DD jobs who will just tank the same stuff. Like if we're talking about like an omen run or something. Yeah, I want to make him tank an omen run because I want him to get the experience of doing so. But I know that any of our DDs are also going to be able to tank that same moment. Right? Yeah. So why not use this as a chance to build up the rune fencer, right? Because he's interested in the job. Um, the issue is that the people around him uh, that he, that he like knows in real life apparently like got his account and leveled his job to ninety nine for him. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he has like no gear. He he doesn't understand how how to play the job. And this isn't a criticism against him. I completely understand why he doesn't know because rune fencer like if you just pick it up. It does not make any sense yeah. how to play that as a tank. Like it, it is not an intuitive tank if you do not like do the research into how to be a tank on. Like we we can't just assume everyone has an FEO and that you can do easy mode slash bad tanking where you stand there and take hits and not understand how to hold hate. Bad tanking, I love it. I, I've seen I've seen a lot of runes do that. Like we've had runes come and go in, in into the LS um, who you know bought their way up to an FEO and basically aggroed things i guess and couldn't hold hate to save their life because they didn't understand enmity rotations or the value of what gear to wear in certain situations some of them just stood there not even engaged <laughs> what do you mean it's really, it's really painful to look at and the guy that joined us he expresses interest like he he needs to be told what to do but it's understandable like that's the difference is like he he knows that he's bad right but he wants to be better and that's where we explain to him it's like yeah we're going to tell you you're bad because you are and that's the only way that you're going to get better um you need to know what to gear you know you need to not explode when mass pulling the mobs like he's a pretty fresh rune fencer um but you know once he builds dt sets once he builds his phalanx set he'll be able to at least perform that function then let's worry about enmity you know we don't we aren't starting him off on like tanking ou or you know tanking rising jima helms it's unrealistic but work with the people that you have especially if they express interest to become better, like let them do their thing and then tell them when they're wrong so that they can get better. I would think tanking like tier two or three in Eshiruan or something as a new room would be helpful. Tier two is too weak, yeah. but my, the only problem I have with that is if we bring like real folks, they're just going to rip hate off. You know, he's not really going to learn a whole lot. Take your I, thief I, then Fox and just do it with trust. <laughs> With my terrible thief. Yep, yeah, that's why I picked it. Yeah, I guess not, right. it's not as terrible as other thieves are. At least you're having proper, yeah. uh, you know, wearing a potentia sash if you have nothing else. I guess. I, I think it's more reasonable for me to go ninja, maybe. But yeah, because then I can at least in and like, I again, I'm not like putting the dude down. Everyone has to start somewhere. Um, but but the message I'm trying to get across is, is really work with your people, especially if they want to be better. Like, don't don't be afraid to, to tell people that they're bad because in actuality they are sometimes and there's ways to say things you could say someone's butt ass ugly or you could say you know you don't look that great 
And neither of them are very nice and neither sounds great, but saying, you know, you don't look that great. And at least taking it up after that and following it up with something else instead of saying, yo, dude, you're butt-ass ugly. <laughs> you know, there's different ways to approach it with different levels of tact. Uh, you know, let's not just say from what we're saying here and arguing to give constructive criticism. Let's not just say that's carte blanche to just be a dick. It's not. Yeah. You can you can say things without being a dick. Well, I mean, I'm personally blunt. I am as well, when, but when, there's when a difference. Joined, for example, like I explained to him in Discord, like on a call, that hey, I'm blunt. I'm gonna say some stuff that might make you upset because I'm gonna tell you exactly how it is. And he, you know, as long as people understand that and they have some kind of thick skin, like I'm clearly saying that because I don't want to be a dick, but I'm about to sound like it. So, like, you know, as long as you, you talk to people in advance about that, I, I think that they should have an understanding. As long as they keep that willingness to learn, I think there's something to work with there. And so each job is going to take a certain level of research, as we've always said. And, oh, yeah. you know, as long as you have an interest to learn, as long as you learn, and there's going to be certain points where, you need to ask questions, and finding the person to ask questions is generally difficult, honestly, in this game, because when you look at like that, that thief thread on the uh, auction house I talked about with Melfina's reasonable but not good sets, um, yeah. they're close, they're just not there. Well, like um, I said before the show, like if I was just thumbing through the thief forums and just kind of like reading over stuff, like looking for a topic that, that interests me, like so say I'm doing that, right? Like if I, if I glance past that set, it wouldn't jump out at me, but it wouldn't seem unreasonable just kind of like knowing that it's a set. Um, it doesn't mean that it's the best or even what it's described to be, but, you know, I, it's still not terrible. But you'll get people that say reasonable things like Taint here says, also you can easily have multiple tiers of hybrid for the right amounts of DPS and DT depending situation. That's a reasonable sentence, but it doesn't really add anything to the thing. But the problem is you'll see people focus on the wrong things. They'll go, I wonder how much DPS you're leaving on the table to use the hybrid set, is what one person says. And then yeah, like that number's relevant to that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not it's not like they'll talk about the wrong things and they won't they won't focus on XYZ. They'll they'll use these these ridiculous ideas of like more white damage to justify my set. And it's like you can't just say that. It doesn't mean anything. Or here where Melfina says, plus more and more endgame thieves are choosing Slash Dragoon as their preferred DD subjob of choice, which makes the hybrid STP build a necessity when you're looking at the one-shot situations. And it's like, what does that mean? That doesn't, that doesn't, that, that makes no sense. And I mean, if you just <laughs> read this, you'd be like, well, if I want a one-shot stuff, I need STP and Sub Dragoon for these one-shot situations. What the fuck is that? Yeah, I, I lit that sentence up before the show. The one-shot situations. Yeah, yeah. How, how about you got one shot to make sense and you didn't take it? I and if if you're gonna offer these things to other people though, and I guess that's where the where my criticism's coming from. Like if, if you're gonna offer this as a good idea, ex at least explain to the people under what context that you are presenting this. Like you don't just make a binary set like this is max DD and this is hybrid DT, and go, <laughs> this is what you apply everywhere. This is hybrid non hybrid. <laughs> But yeah, that, that's it's not what hybrid is. More often than not, people to make declarations because they can't back up what they're saying, or they don't have the right level of reasoning, or they're they're yes. off on the wrong trail here of how they got to you know show me the work. Well, we start here and we get back to where we started. Oh, that sounds pretty circular. Okay, so I think the problem is yeah. people are making declarations too all the time, and they're not, and it's just like you see that all over these threads everywhere, and it's like okay, you said that and. Yeah, I, I like what they're trying to do, but just kind of like 
leave it at this, like leave it at an idea and let the people around you talk about it and analyze it. You know, it, it's to be full turtle like that. I'm sure it has a place somewhere, you know, yeah, so it, does defending it, it, ring you, over you, two, you know, two rings that you're exactly. not getting full benefit and, and, out of. Yeah. And, and you're going to get a conversation that will bring that up. And like, maybe you'll learn some, uh, you know, a better way of trying to optimize it in fewer pieces, you know, where you can then wear gear that's better in other slots. And, you know, the, what I'm trying to get at is it's really good they posted that set, but it's not good because they posted that set. Like posting that set itself didn't do anything for people. But what it did do is it opened up the conversation for people to talk about why they should build the set in a different way. And it may sound like I'm saying don't post stupid shit ever. Don't share you anything should. ever. And you should. But yeah. you should also know that if it is, I don't want to tell this isn't stupid. It's just misguided. Uh, but if you do the conversation should happen and I often don't see the conversation happen. Just stupid stuff will go out and nothing will come of it. And then more stupid stuff gets piled on in another part of the thread. And, you know, someone's supposed to figure out their job by digging through the sore. I mean, uh, yeah, have some humility. I mean, here, here's the thing. Like I, I went on a podcast and said that tickling tendrils reduces pet or <laughs> reduces mob TP. Like I may come off as a know-it-all all the time, but guess what? That's at least one time on record where I was super fucking wrong. And it's okay to be wrong in these forums too, as long as something positive comes from it. So don't go on there and try to use a bunch of flowery language to make it sound like this is the definitive thing. And then just kind of like stick by it for arbitrary reasons. Uh, your, your pride being one of them. Like have some humility, at least engage in the conversation that takes place and, and try to understand why people are telling you that, you know, a certain way can be better for doing things because that's how you're going to learn. So do we put the stake in this or? I think so. I mean, we've kind of said what we needed to say. A lot of the stuff that we've talked about will will help you be a better player and a better, you know, a lot of it's identifying and learning on your own, but there's not going to like, like with a lot of the stuff we talk about when it comes to optimization, like there's not going to be like one specific answer we'll throw at you and go, you know what, Eureka, everyone just has to do exactly that. And they're good. There's a difference between saying shit is situational and okay, it's situational, but what am I going to do with the situation? So yeah, find out the context of the situation. Like that's, that's where shit is situational makes sense. Cause you'll see everyone say it's situational nine days of the week out of seven. Uh, but that's generally where it stops. So it's going beyond the most basic, obvious things and, and trying to put all the pieces together there. Yeah, I agree. And thank you, Fox. That was, wait, so now we got to do the typical thing. You know what's coming. Oh, yeah. Join our damn link show. No, we don't, we don't care if the link show has people <laughs> or not. Um, there is a thread on BG. I don't mention the thread generally. Someone bumped that thread. Someone posts something besides me in that thread on BG because... You know, it's gotten views, and I see there's traffic that's come from BG to this, but no one posts anything besides me. So I'm like, we have Martell on today. I wonder if anyone has any feedback. And it's like, cricket, cricket, cricket. I know no one posts on BG, but I know a lot of you do have wiki accounts for BG. So someone posts something there, just so the thread is not me for five posts. To be, to be fair, I haven't checked on that one AH thread that I built the profile for, that I recovered my profile for. Wow, that was a big ask. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm fine with not bumping threads or anything constantly, but if anyone posts anything, that'd be that'd be cool. Because we don't want to make a thread constantly like other people do. We just want to do this without attention whoring, but we do want to communicate with people. So if people see something, they communicate. If they don't, they don't. So it's kind of a, a catch-22 there. If you don't do that, you can't get the communication. But I think we can supersede that by, if people are listening, hey, say something. 
So you can always email us at wtfinfonadeal at gmail.com. Comment on YouTube as people do. We we actually had Alvino comment on there about when Martel was on the Chalubre dragon or whatever. He linked the mythology there to the, the dragon or something. So that was that was nifty. And Alvino in general, so you listen. So this I think that's the first time we've ever shouted you out. I know you had said you were a and, ranger expert too, but thank you for your feedback. You do provide, and we have talked to you, well, at least I have. And Fox reads it, so he's kind of talking too. I, I confer yeah. with him at times. And, and when, when you find something like that, especially like when it's lore related, um, try to send that Romoko's way too, because he has asked for it before. And, you know, make, make sure that, that he at least gets access to like some of that lore stuff, because he may not, you know, check any of our videos or anything. But if he can make something about lore for, for people, you know, I'd, I'd want to see more people like hear about it. On the subject of lore, I know uh, Rua said he was down to eventually come on again. Um, that was right before his whole being uh, disgruntled about Essie's outreach to content creators and rec- whatever that was. I don't yeah. know if he still would want to come on, but, uh, you know, odd way to spend your Christmas. I was sitting there cooking or whatever, and then suddenly Carrot starts playing the lore episode on her speakers. And I'm like, are you playing our podcast right now on Christmas? <laughs> and it's like... She's like, yeah, I never listened to this. And I'm like, okay. All right. So then I had to listen to our podcast episode over because she was playing it. And I'm like, whatever. And we didn't talk a great deal about lore. And we covered some interesting things there. And then she's complaining. She's like, you know, you're off on a tangent about Beastmaster. You never even talked about lore. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And we were talking today about, okay, what's Tavnasia then in lore if, um, you know, if, Bastok is Germany and America, or this or that, and what's you know where does the Tenshoto fit in, and what are they based off of, or you know, and I'm like, well, there's a lot of lore we could still go over, so I would like to do lore again if we could get Ruan again, or if anyone else is as versed in lore, I would be very interested in having another thing. And there's a lot sure. of it's not just NMs and stuff. I mean, that's always going to come up, and that's always fun, but there's a lot of things we didn't touch on. There's a lot of things you couldn't touch on in one episode in general. So doing another lore would be nice if anyone's interested or just feedback yeah, on that. I, I agree. And yeah. And I mean, we're, we're always going to have like something to talk about. Like, like we always say, we do this because we like it. Right. So we're, we're always going to be talking about something, but it, like if we, if we hear about that sort of thing, like from people like directly, then we can at least tailor it towards what will help the people. So like, like we always say, just keep that in mind. And you know, that's why we want feedback. Cool beans. Cool beans. Well, thank you all for tuning in, and we look forward to uh, coming back next week. Oh, wait. It's going to be a new year next week. What? By the time this comes out, it will be a new year, so uh, oh, I, I don't like Happy New Year. That's that's really kind of cliche, meaningless, you know, shallow, nothing comes out of that. So hopefully everyone has plans for the new year then. Happy New Calendar Day. Uh, I have a new calendar. I have a Pusheen calendar every year. Okay. Do you know Pusheen the cat, right? Yeah, I have I have Pusheen the calendar. You know, it's a good thing. It's, right. it's it's a yearly tradition. Anyway, thank you guys. Thanks everybody. Uh, we definitely appreciate it.